Welcome to the SaturdayBlitz.com podcast. This is Kyle Kenson. We're talking Red River Rivalry this week. We got Amanda Staver of RideSchoonerRide.com checking in. She's going to give us some insight into Oklahoma and Texas, one of the great rivalries in all of college football. And an October tradition, not unlike the baseball playoffs currently going on right now. Of course, they're in that same Dallas Metroplex area where the Longhorns and Sooners are going to lock up. You got the Texas Rangers. As of the recording of this podcast, the only team to advance to the league championship series in the baseball playoffs. And it's sort of a fitting metaphor that uh, you got Texas there playing for for their second consecutive World Series, coinciding with the Longhorns and Sooners locking up, because these are two teams that have used this particular game as a launching point to get to the BCS title. Uh, Four out of the last eight years, you've seen one of the two teams or the winner of that game actually, emerge as one of the BCS championship contenders. And five times in that span, of course, you've had one of the teams playing the BCS title game. 08, obviously, having a little bit of controversy with Oklahoma, losing to Texas, but then getting the nod for the title spot. Now, last year, of course, the Longhorns were down a little bit. Oklahoma managed to kind of uh, roll in that game, but this year could be a different story. Texas undergoing a lot of change, a lot of change in their coaching, and right now with a bit of a quarterback controversy, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out against a very stout Oklahoma team that entered the season at consensus number one and so far hasn't really done anything to dispel that notion. So that's going to be a great game, the highlight of this weekend, and that's why we've got Amanda Staver, RideSchoonerRide.com, and Twitter.com slash PCSChick checking into the podcast. And we've got Amanda Staver from RideSchoonerRide.com here on the SaturdayBlitz.com podcast, of course, talking Red River rivalry. And Amanda, thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. And of course, Red River rivalry, uh, October tradition, the lead in, I was talking a little bit about coinciding with the baseball playoffs every year. And you being there in the Dallas Metroplex, you've got the Rangers headed to the American League Championship Series for a second straight year. And now this game coming about, and it's a bit of a, a little bit of a championship preview every year in the same way that the LCS is. Uh, you've had five years out of the last eight where the winner of this game or one of the two teams from this game have played for the BCS championship. Texas showing some signs of life again. Are you expecting this to be another one of those kind of playoff atmosphere games this year? I definitely am. You know, Texas snug up on everybody with that number 11 ranking and they've went you know the new coaching staff the team has definitely improved from five and seven last year and they've only shown signs of improvement this year so i think it's definitely going to be a battle in dallas on saturday now part of their start so far has included three different quarterbacks have played last week against iowa state two played pretty prominently between case mccoy and david ash what sort of problems do you feel like having that two quarterback system presents for Brent Venables and coach Stoops and the Oklahoma defense and how do they prepare for something like that with two guys who play a distinct style that's kind of different from one another? 
Uh, you know, we've, we've played against a two-quarterback system before, and I, I think, you know, they, they're definitely going to go with Case McCoy, I think, more in this situation. But we'll see. I think, you know, we've had time to prepare. We've watched film. They've watched film. I think Venables is definitely going to be ready for the, the two-quarterback system. And, you know, I, I got you got to hand it to Case coming in. You know, for Gilbert, Gilbert, everyone thought Gilbert was going to be the starter, and you know, he's he's looked good for a kid his age. He's looked pretty good so far. And some pretty lofty expectations to live up to for him. Obviously, his brother being a legend at that program, and just some of the great quarterbacks that Texas has had over the years. And and of course, the last time they had this two quarterback thing going on was. Uh, with Chris Sims and Major Applewhite, which, of course, the last time that Oklahoma won the national championship. So do you see that as maybe being some sort of good omen? I actually do. I, I did watch um, a little bit of clips today from the uh, 2001 Red River game where they had gone with Chris Sims instead of Applewhite at quarterback, and we all know how that turned out. So, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, we can repeat that with Travis Lewis and Tom Moore where the Roy Williams and uh, Teddy Lehman play. You know, that, you know, let's just cross our fingers and hope something like that happens. But, yeah, I kind of, I kind of, there's a lot of similarities. Now, the Roy Williams play, of course, you're mentioning the, the huge hit that he had, uh, still something that lives on in Sooner lore. Do you see something like that sort of happening again this year? Is somebody going to really make his name on this Texas offense, which has had some problems at times, not quite as much this year to the same extent, but obviously last year, and still adjusting to a new offensive coordinator? Well, I definitely did. The two names that I just mentioned, Travis Lewis and Tom Ward. Tom Ward, this has been his breakout year. He's, He's had huge stops huge sacks against, you know, he had a couple against Florida State. I think both of them are going to be defensive players to watch. They, you know, this is, there's been a little bit of trash talking going on on Twitter by a couple of the players. And I think, you know, they're, they're hungry that this is something they want. You know, they're playing for Austin Box. And I think, you know, the singer offense, or excuse me, the Longhorn offense definitely needs to be a little bit worried about Travis Lewis and Tom Ward. And another issue that Texas had last year was its inability to stop the run. Now, Oklahoma, with its spread, it's well-known with Landry Jones, Ryan Broyles, and that receiving core. Since losing DeMarco Murray, the running game, maybe not quite the same that it was last year, but do you feel like this may be an opportunity for somebody like a Dom Whaley to break out and become a bit of a national name? I think it is. I think Dom is, you know, he's on the path to actually be, you know, Oklahoma's premier back. You know, we, we see some good stuff out of a couple of the others, but I think, you know, the way he's been playing, it's definitely up for grabs and it's in his favor. And, you know, Texas rush defense is, like I said earlier, they are getting better. But, you know, with a player like the way Dom has been playing, it's it's going to be a little hard for the Longhorns to stop him. Now, the trash talk on Twitter is something I really enjoy. I, that's one of the reasons that I love Twitter. I feel like you get a little bit of an insight into what guys are saying to one another on the field. And the rivalry just in general, that's it's definitely one of the more heated ones uh, in all of college football. And how do you feel like the atmosphere of having that neutral site game there in the middle of the Texas State Fair, you know, sort of equidistant from the two locations, kind of adds to that rivalry? I think 
it's great. The um, you know, I actually looked into it today. Austin is seven miles out further ah. than than uh, yeah, a little bit home, home field advantage out. then. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, the Longhorns a little bit further out, but you know, the Dallas Fort Worth area is full of Oklahoma alumni, obviously, and uh, Texas alumni. People travel from all over. Just you know, if they go to one college football game a year, this is the game they go to. So it's you know it's it's fun with the atmosphere at the state fair. It's it's equal on both sides. I mean the stadium is split directly down the middle, and it's it's great. You know some people get a little unruly, some people don't. You know, just like Twitter. But <laughs> now with the off season, the Longhorn Network causing a ton of controversy, almost killing the Big Twelve. Of course, now it's sort of indirectly appeared to kill the Big East, but. There was all the trouble that was going on with Texas and the Longhorn Network. Do you feel like that adds a little bit of extra edge maybe to this rivalry? I think it might, just a little bit. You know, but a lot of people were saying that everyone was upset about the money that the Longhorns were getting. You know, I don't, I don't really think it had anything to do with the money. I think it was a lot to do with, you know, the recruiting advantage in the high school games. And I've seen a lot of people say that, oh, Oklahoma's jealous because they, you know, the Longhorns got their own network and that kind of thing. And, you know, I've seen some people say, well, you know, we'll just take care of it on the field. We don't need our own network to prove our worth to anybody. You know, good for Texas for going out there and getting their own network. But, you know, it's, it's just a network that doesn't mean anything about your team. Yeah, absolutely. And now that rivalry is obviously the one that garners the most headlines. Now, Oklahoma State coming up a little bit. How does the Red River rivalry differ from the Bedlam game? In uh, the Bedlam game, you know, it's it's almost comical to call it Bedlam at this <laughs> point. You know, it's an in-state rival, so and that's pretty much it. They haven't won since Les Miles has been the coach at Oklahoma State. You know, Texas OU goes back and forth each year. You know, it doesn't matter who's ranked where. It's always close. You know, the the Bedlam game was close last year. I mean, that was a barn burner. But I would definitely say the Texas-Oklahoma game, it's been played for over 100 years before Oklahoma was even a state. I mean, it's To me, that's the premier game of the season. Now, when you mentioned the rivalry going back more than a century, there was uh, actually an article I really enjoyed on, on your site, rideschoonerride.com, about the origin of the Texas mascot. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, the Texas mascot was originally not a longhorn. The Texas mascot was a bulldog named Piggy, <laughs> <laughs> so, which I thought was just, you know, a little awkward, but whatever floats the boat, I guess. And Be- little, little Bevo is you know, not known to always be the sweet little gentle cow that Hay on the stall in the stall on the side of the sidelines. He's actually attacked fans and other schools and bands and that kind of thing. So, <laughs> you know, Bevo's a, a little wild. But, you know, I thought that was kind of interesting. Just, uh, I never knew that their mascot was a bulldog originally. I actually didn't either. And now with Bevo, you've got, uh, an animal that's basically the size of a Volkswagen running around the field, does that make it, uh, for people that are in the Big 12, does, does that make the departure of Colorado a little bit better? Now you only have to deal with one massive mammal running around the field as opposed to two? <laughs> Definitely. 
say that Bevo is intimidating. The Buffalo, to me, is a little more intimidating than Bevo was. I mean, he's, he had to have people stand there and hold him the whole time. Bevo's just kind of off by himself. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. I don't... I. I, I'm curious to see if uh, if John Embry is going to find out if Ralphie the Buffalo has any eligibility because God knows that CU needs it. They uh, definitely do. You almost kind of feel sorry for Colorado. Just you know, they used to be. I mean, they used to be Colorado. They used to be a semi, you know, powerhouse, and it's just kind of falling apart for them. You know, I wish them good luck in the Pac-12, but it's going to take a while. Definitely rebuilding. Absolutely. And that's uh, going back to my childhood. That was Colorado was one of the programs. And of course, Oklahoma was one of the programs. Texas, Texas really hadn't quite become the powerhouse that it is now. And going through the John Makovic era, that was obviously a downtime. Anybody that's ever had John Makovic can attest to that. But um, Mac Brown coming on and building them into what they are. And Mac Brown went through the coach and waiting situation, which I feel like is always sort of grounds for trouble. Florida State, you kind of saw it, and and West Virginia, you really saw it. Sort of avoiding that situation, how do you feel like that helps uh, Texas's situation? With the coaching, you know, the coaching changes. Mac will be Mac will be you know the Joe Paterno, I think, the Bobby Bowden. Mac will be there forever. So if some you know somebody they they did have a great option, and I think Will Muschamp. But I, I don't see Mac taking off anytime soon. So if you know if somebody was to come on as a coach in waiting, you know Brian Harson would be a great coach somewhere eventually a head coach. But I think they're going to have to wait quite some time to fill Mac's shoes. Now Oklahoma has its coach for basically forever. I can't imagine there's any college program that could steal Bob. But is there any situation you could envision in which Oklahoma might really turn on him? I remember uh, in 2009 when, when they just went to the Sun Bowl, and I say just because as an Arizona alum, the Sun Bowl would basically be our BCS championship game. Uh, there was a little bit of consternation over that and, and a few of the BCS losses. But at what point does it really become a situation where Oklahoma actively looks, or is he just there, period? He's, he's Oklahoma's Joe Paterno. A lot of people, if somebody was to have a bad season, you know, like Mac Brown last year, they went five and seven, and the people were saying, off with his head, let's get rid of him. You know, I think a lot of people are real quick to judge. You know, that was the season that Sam Bradford, you know, with shoulder injury, that's when Landry Jones came in. People weren't sure. After that injury, you know, I knew that it was going to be that type of season. It, people are real quick to judge after one season. Yes, he's gone to the big games and he hasn't produced at the big, big games and, and certain times he's lost very bad. And we're not going to talk about USC or Florida but or Boise State. But, you know, I'd, I'd give him at least three, four seasons before I'd start saying I think maybe it's time to a coach search. But, you know, everybody wants to win every year. And, you know, normal college football fans know that that's not, you know, that's, it doesn't happen every year. So it's, it's kind of hard to, to gauge with Bob. Absolutely. And, and what he's done at that program is tremendous because after the late 80s, early 90s, there was that pretty bleak period and he got things going pretty quickly. So I, I feel like that's incredibly impressive. That's the, about as great a job as a coach did restocking a program as I feel like I've ever seen. So. 
Now, this year's game, uh, I'm interested to get a, a prediction from you. Uh, what kind of game are you expecting? What kind of final score are you expecting? And do you imagine that for the winner of this game that it's possibly undefeated the rest of the way? I think that it's going to be a closer game than some people are saying. Um, I'm not, I think the spread on it was 10. It, it might be a little bit closer than that. I'm going to say 30 to 24 Sooners. That's my guess. Um, I think, you know, if, if Oklahoma or e actually either school can get past one or the other, they definitely have a good chance. There is that Oklahoma State question mark for both teams left on the schedule. So I think whoever wins this game has a sure shot of going undefeated and hopefully going to the national championship. And I do also have to throw in my personal man crush right now, Robert Griffin III and Baylor. Though I can't imagine Baylor, I can't imagine he and Kendall Wright are capable of beating either of those teams just two on 11. You know, I don't know, though. I don't know. Look, that's, Oklahoma has to go to Waco this year. So that's, that's definitely something to think about in the future. I think it's mid-November. I think right before, the weekend right before Oklahoma State, maybe. And that's a tough one to punch, and nobody ever actually wants to go to Waco for any reason. So there's the added factor of that. <laughs> exactly. So you know, I, I I definitely think Oklahoma, and we have you know A and M used to be in this talk at the beginning of the season. I don't A and M poses in that anymore, and they're coming to Norman, so I'm not too worried about A and M. But you know, Baylor, we go to, we go to Waco and we go to Stillwater. So. And that's. After this week. And with no Big 12 championship game, that's uh, if Oklahoma is in that conversation at that point, which I imagine they will be, then don't really need a conference championship game when you end with two teams that could potentially be in the top 25 to make your case for being a BCS team. Exactly. It does, you know, it, it, it would hurt, let's say, if they're going against an, an SEC team that does have the conference championship game. So, you know, I'm hoping that. The, the Big 12 will actually get back to 12 sometime soon, you know, with the TCU rumor today or the TCU is coming, and hopefully we'll add a couple more and Missouri will decide what they're doing so we can get back <laughs> get back to, you know, the conference championship, but who knows. So on that note, final prediction, if TCU comes, Missouri stays because it seems like Missouri – maybe isn't quite getting a, a, a date to the dance. They're they're a little bit like the like maybe the guy or girl that over the summer matures and tries to upgrade boyfriend or girlfriend and doesn't quite work out. They aren't getting an invite from the Big Ten. Doesn't look like they're getting an invite from the SEC. Need two more spots. Which two schools do you think the Big Twelve calls? Oh goodness. Um you know, I'd like to say Louisville. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing Louisville. Now, you know, with everybody has a new rumor every day. So I'm hearing that BYU is actually off the table. So I would have been okay with BYU. And they, you know, they, their football program needs a little help right now. But, <laughs> I, you know, the solid school. I would have been happy with that. But Louisville and maybe West Virginia, if they decide, you know, the SEC decides they don't want them either, then... I'd be okay with West Virginia, too. And that would be a heck of a football conference. I definitely enjoy watching West Virginia play the uh, the Oklahomas and Texas every year. Yeah, it's, it's, kind of, it's a little far out there. 
but you know, I, I think they could make it work. So, but yeah, it, it would be, it would be a football conference for sure. You know, Louisville would probably end up winning basketball. For... Well, yeah, I, 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 I'm trying to think of a way to dispute that, but I, I really can't right now. Um, Oklahoma, the basketball, uh, maybe find out if Blake Griffin still has some eligibility or, you know, Stacey King might be pushing 40 now, but he might be able to help out a little bit. Yeah, they, you know, we, we got the new coach with Juan Kruger coming from UNLV. So we'll see if we can, I don't think it's going to be this season, but we might be able to turn it around. We'll see, though. He's a good coach, so I, I think that'll that'll definitely help. But maybe not quite Bob Stoops levels, maybe not even quite Billy Tubbs levels, but still, uh, I think Oklahoma basketball is going to get back there. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So, well, Amanda, I want to thank you once again for coming on the podcast. And where can everybody check your work out? You can check out my stuff at rideschoonerride.com, and you can find me on Twitter at BCS Chick. And definitely check out both uh, her site and her Twitter as well. Uh, I always like checking out your work and uh, love having you on the podcast. Thank you very much for stopping by and talking Red River Rivalry with us here on SaturdayBlitz.com. Thank you. Thank you once again for tuning into the SaturdayBlitz.com podcast. I want to thank our guest this week, Amanda Staver from RideSchoonerRide.com and Twitter.com slash BCSChick. Be sure to check out her work, uh, both for the Red River Rivalry and following the Sooners all year long. She does a great job over there, so I highly recommend it. And thank you once again for checking out the podcast. Uh, you can download us on iTunes, check us out here on the site. And we got a lot more stuff coming up for you, so... Be sure to stop in, leave your feedback in the comments, and hope to have you as regulars. Thank you once again, and this is Kyle Kensing, SaturdayBlitz.com, signing off.